everyone, welcome back to Roehampton Lawcast episode 6. My name is Maureen and I'm joined by Amy and Maris today and we're talking more about law and a case study. So if we just want to hand over to Maris to introduce herself and the case we're going to be talking about today. Hi everyone, I'm Maris and uh, I'm one of the lecturers at the law school and um, today um, I thought that it would be interesting to discuss a uh, recent decision that is in the field of competition law and it concerns uh, excessive pricing of hand sanitizer products during the global pandemic that um, we all were in uh, in spring this year 2020. So Maris, how did this investigation come about? So the investigation um, actually responds to um, sort of a new type of, um, of conduct that is not very well known or very well practiced in law and this is tentatively titled as bad business behavior and relates then in, in terms of the law it relates to the business conduct but it also relates to consumer um, protection and um, so basically since the restrictions were put in place to respond to the spreading of coronavirus in the spring of 2020 um, the economies across the globe have all taken a detrimental downturn and, uh, and certain sectors, uh, especially for example, tourism sector, um, were impacted more than others. And many businesses had to close, uh, close down, resulting uh, in increased unemployment rate. But also in addition to that, um, due to record amount of sudden cancellations and the prohibition to provide certain goods and services, for instance, travel, wedding services as well, uh, during the pandemic, the consumer rights were particularly in danger. And at the same time, uh, production and sales of specific products and services that were determined or defined as essential products, such as hand sanitizers, masks, but also services in close home deliveries um, and so forth, that were consi considered an essential. Um, so the production of those uh, um, services increased significantly. And, uh, and as a result of that, uh, there was an enhanced demand for essential goods and services, and which inevitably led to higher prices, but also opportunistic business behavior, and was aimed to benefit from the situation at the detriment of the consumers. So you may all have noticed that the prices of hand sanitizers uh, skyrocketed during the pandemic, especially in spring, and according to the um, estimates then uh, by the Competition and Markets Authority, the price of hand sanitizer, the price increase was up to 400%. Um, so, and this was also the case then in the UK and uh, the Competition and Markets Authority, which is the national authority to investigate competition rule breaches, as well as protect consumers from unfair business practices announced that they will pay particular attention to protecting consumer rights that were negatively affected by unfair business behavior during the global pandemic. Now, in June 2020, so it's very, very recent, it was only in the summer, the CMA, which is then the Competition and Markets Authority, launched an investigation against four pharmacies and convenience stores for suspected breaches of competition law because they jacked up the prices of the hand sanitizer products. Um, and the, the investigations, or let's say the decision of the CMA was actually quite highly anticipated 
because it would have created um, a very unique precedent in the UK um, and um, especially in the field of competition law because the excessive pricing as such as a, as a breach of the competition law is very difficult to detect and there have been very few successful cases to actually say none because all the in, in all the cases in which um, the national authority or the European Commission found uh, the pricing to be excessive those um, decisions were being quashed by the uh, by the courts on the appeal so this is how the investigations came about I know there were three um, there were four investigations launched and three of them were closed within a month or so uh, yes, that's true. So there were four investigations, uh, so separately against each pharmacy and convenience store. Uh, three of them were closed um, very quickly within a month um, because, um, or on the count that the CMA found that there is unlikely to be, um, or it, it's where the, the retailers' prices did not or were unlikely to infringe competition law. And the fourth one uh, was closed a month uh, just after that, um, or two, I think maybe it was delayed a little bit, so a month or two after that, but on the same ground. So they were closed because it's unlikely there was a breach. Is that because they didn't have dominance or it wasn't in the public interest to take it any further? So uh, this is now where the controversy begins, right? Um, so first of all is, um, yeah, in, indeed, so there, was, there were two things. First of all is that if you wanted to bring the, the successful proceedings against these pharmacies and the convenience stores, now the CMA has not revealed who those pharmacies or convenience stores were. So it is difficult for me to now evaluate whether they hold the dominant position in the market or not. Um, however, in order to bring the proceeding under the Competition Act of 1998, yeah, Amy was right to say that they would have to, all the four companies would have to hold a dominant position in the market of hand sanitary products and other um, essential products and or services. Um, however, in this occasion as well, is that um, most likely the CMA was also overloaded with the consumer rights cases uh, due to global pandemic um, and where perhaps um, lack the manpower, it wasn't a priority uh, given the difficulties of determining the excessive pricing as a competition law breach, they probably just let this one go um, and thought that it would be more time and cost effective to focus on other aspects of law. But the third uh, problem that uh, was we, we could encounter was then uh, not perhaps uh, because there was no emergency legislation being put in place in the UK that would have enabled to, to start the proceedings and to continue with the investigations against these four pharmacies and the convenience stores on other grounds, not just the competition rule. Do you think that's an oversight by the government or do you think they deliberately didn't do that? Do you think they were just overworked in the pandemic as it started? Um, so I think it was an oversight, to be fair. Um, they did work and in fact in March and April, uh, the CMA started, um, started uh, already 
pushing the government to put in place um, the, uh, the emergency legislation. Um, and they brought examples, or the examples can be brought actually from, uh, from the US, where there are um, extensive um, legislative measures being put in place uh, ex exactly for these purposes alone, which is to, to, um, to hold the companies accountable for unfair business behavior and to protect the consumer rights. Now, the CMA started pushing for this legislation uh, already in spring, but uh, unfortunately without success. Unfortunately without success. And, um, and therefore, I think that it was, it was just an oversight even though the government initially kind of mentioned that they are working on putting emergency legislation in place, but they, they never did or never ended up doing that. I was going to say that um, I know that this this happened at the beginning when they first introduced the lockdown. So um, now that we ha we're in a second lockdown, um, do you think that it this decision doesn't reflect like what should have happened to prevent it happening again? Um, yes, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, it would have been a, a very useful precedent to have uh, in that regard, and it's not just for the pandemic, but it's in all fairness in any emergency situation this country may ever face. Um, and uh, you know, this virus hopefully now will get under control uh, soon enough, but it doesn't pre protect us from having another virus or any other emergency related situation that can then cause again um, bad business behavior or uh, unfair business behavior at the detriment of the consumer rights. And we still, again, don't have a legislation to, to, dec um, to basically you know, tackle this down. So did the um, companies that did boost the price, they got away like scot-free, they weren't punished? Um, essentially, yeah, that's what happens. Um, so the only thing that the CMA managed them to do is that they sent out a, um, a letter uh, it was already in March, and they sent it out with the uh, General Pharmaceutical Council. Uh, and they sent it to the pharmacists warning them about their pricing during the outbreak of the coronavirus disease. And, um, and because, um, so, so there, there was that kind of a message that they sent out. In addition to, to that, what the, what the CMA did was um, they uh, individually sent out letters to um, eBay and Amazon uh, where the retailers were charging excessive prices for the same essential products. So we could tackle them, let's say, one by one, like notify Amazon or notify eBay, who then contacted the retailers, who then had to adjust the price or leave the, the, the virtual market area. But at the end of the day, it's just a little bit of a drop in a lake and uh, not really much effective in that sense. Do they have to disclose the company names or? No, they don't. They don't, they which don't makes it no. essentially more difficult to realize yeah. whether you, they have an understanding at all. Yeah, exactly. So no, they don't have to disclose this information. Mm. So there's no legislation to protect any essential um, sort of items or services. People can just boost the prices in the second lockdown. It could just happen again. It could happen again essentially 
And um, it could happen again. We are hoping it wouldn't. Uh, I also think that what helped maybe to boost up the prices is because there was a shortage of supply, um, which enabled them to scoop up for the opportunities, to scoop up the products and sell them at a very high profit margin. Um, now, if you know you go everywhere, there's masks everywhere, there are hand sanitizers in every single place you go to. So in, in that sense, I think there was also a shortage of supply, which I would hope that has now been remedied at least. But essentially, um, no, it doesn't prevent that um, any opportunist be behavior wouldn't happen again. It could happen again, of course. And then the availability of more masks and more hand sanitizers now would probably I mean, looking at the business part of it would make sure that the prices stay in control, at least, because there's so many opportunities to go out and buy it. So mm -hmm. do you think that the CMA did it a bit, uh, like, was a bit hasty in their decision to go in and... Uh, um, no, I don't think they were hasty. I think they did the right thing, that they were, they were, they were trying to lobby for the, for the emergency legislation. They highlighted the situation to the government. So, but at the end of the day, it's up to the government to decide and, and to the parliament to decide what which legislation to, to put in place. Of course, there is a downside as well. Um, I'm not um, a fan of the existing government, fair <laughs> to say. However, uh, in their defense, uh, one thing is that um, there was also during the, the, the first lockdown and, and in spring when the whole uh, pandemic started or escalated, let's say not started, but escalated. Um, many of the governments uh, in Europe, uh, Hungary, but also outside Europe, let's say uh, Turkey was one of the examples, um, also in Southeast Asia, like Thailand, Philippines, and so forth. The governments were criticized a lot for putting in place or for adopting a lot of decrees, many decrees which the government can do, So, and in the UK as well, under the prerogative powers, so it's up to the government. We don't necessarily have to go through the parliament, but the government at the times of emergency can put in place certain legislative measures. Now, uh, they were criticized a lot because um, it's kind of was the view was taken that this is them extending them their powers. And as we know, and we, we have examples as well, the emergency time legislation, you have to be careful with that because it becomes the normality. And uh, for instance, the CCTV camera that we are all so used to were initially an emergency legislation, an emergency measure, because they were to tackle down the uh, terrorism. And it was one of the counter-terrorist measures was to put in place the CCTVs. But now they have become a normality. No one took them down after the threat was over. No one took them down. They are still there. In fact, the amount has increased. So obviously, I think this is why I understand on one hand why the government never put that legislation down. They were perhaps also more cautious about it and was thinking like, okay, if we put this down, what, will, what tends to happen is they become the normality, we start accepting them. And this is now, so pertaining back to the competition rule, is that the view is that it shouldn't be left for the authorities to meddle with the pricing. Pricing is for the markets, is for the companies. It's a normal business behavior. So, and the markets will sort that out. And that's why I think they were also hesitant. I would like to give them the benefit of the <laughs> doubt. 
they were hesitant to put in place that emergency legislation that would have enabled to tackle this unfair business behavior. Do you think there's a scope for it now outside the pandemic and like putting that to a side? Do, is there a need for that emergency? Uh, what is it, bad business? Yeah, unfair business behaviour, Un- yeah. yeah that's it. Um, I think so. And uh, in fact, uh, this is now where we could even potentially discuss we could benefit from Brexit, mm-hmm. is that um, after the, uh, well, soon enough, mm-hmm. uh, so in six, what, seven weeks, we can, obviously, we don't have to follow the jurisprudence of the EU courts or the European Commission in terms of the competition rules, but this country can make up their own competition rules. The existing government has, however, stated that for the time being, they are not going to touch the competition law, that it's going to stay as is, Um, which, as Amy now knows as well, completely mirrors Mm -hmm. the wording and the legislation and the EU uh, competition rules. So anyways, so this is, this is what they have said, that they're not going to touch it. However, that doesn't mean that it couldn't be subject to reforms. And I think that, yes, this is one of the areas that it would be perhaps worth considering that the, to bring it in, if not under the competition rules, but it could be under the consumer rights protection. So it's clear from this case that we've just been talking about that um, cases in the law have a big cross-section of you know, we've had competition law, a bit of public law, we've been talking about mm-hmm. Brexit. It's important to keep up with the news and sort of understand how it relates back to law, relates back to business and ultimately how it affects people. I think that's something that commercial awareness is in practice rather than just reading about it online. So what do you think is the importance of this case to law students in law school at the moment, upcoming law students, law graduates, mm. generally anyone who's interested in legal field? Um, so I think that, like Amy pointed out very accurately, um, and what I have been trying to say also to, to all the newbies that mm-hmm. will come uh, to law school every year and when we do our induction, is in life you, you very often, you don't, you don't get a case that would be only in one field of law. The, the cases tend to overlap. Um, so, as, as this one as well, the hand sanitizer pro- uh, products, um, it wasn't even so much of a case, but it was a decision, the investigations were being stopped. But what for the law students, it's important, it kind of shows that exactly, we have competition law, we have consumer rights, we had public law, we had EU law, and we actually have comparative law as well with the US, a comparison with the US or, or you look at any other countries. So, so in that sense, I mean, in all fairness, uh, for the law students, <laughs> the easiest way to top, to stay on top of things, reads. Um, I mean, the case was it was mentioned in the Guardian. There was, you know, all you have to do. It was in Financial Times. It was in the Guardian. It was it was something that you know is is really good to to demonstrate that you are aware of what is happening around you. So it doesn't necessarily have to be a precedent or a groundbreaking judgment from the Supreme Court or anything like that. Most of the law actually isn't about that. Um, and uh, exactly, it, it kind of goes back to this commercial awareness as well, that you, you would scope out or you would be more aware of the surroundings and not just see the case on its own or, or a decision on its own. It never exists on its own. It's always in part of something bigger. So, so I think that this is 
why, why I wanted to discuss this as well is to just because it's very topical, it's very now, mm-hmm. and uh, but also just to demonstrate that how even the littlest things um, can 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 actually lead to you know something something bigger. And as a lawyer, um, if you ever went down the legal practice route. This is something, you know, that is also worth considering. I mean, the investigations that are being brought by lawyers to the CMA. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, uh, and also, but the ones that are investigating them at the CMA are also lawyers. They have law degree. So, um, so it's always something that, you know, you could be doing with the law degree. So it doesn't necessarily have to be the route of the either solicitor or the barrister but you can look things a little bit more broadly. Yeah, as a person who hasn't actually, I'm still in second year, so I haven't done competition law yet. I, when I was reading through it, I could still, I'd pick out elements, like you said, of public law, of uh, at the moment we're doing contract too, so, you know, mm-hmm. uh, sale of goods and stuff like that. And I think it just helped my understanding of it a little bit more in a practical sense. Mm-hmm. So I would, yeah, definitely advise anyone <laughs> uh, listening to have a look at, any cases you can get get your hands on that you are interested in because more often than not they'll link loads of different topics together and there'll be something that you've done in the case that you'd understand which will help mm-hmm. you understand it more on a general basis as well yeah definitely uh, thank you everybody for listening we hope you found that helpful and hopefully you go away and do a bit of research maybe on this case maybe on another case um, if you did want to study competition law that is an optional module in your third year so you might have to wait a while but it's coming up, I'm sure. Thank you, Maris, for taking the time to speak to us. Thank no, you. No problem at all. It's been a pleasure. And yes, um, so I'm waiting for people to come and take the competition. <laughs> no, see you in the class. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you and goodbye. Bye. Bye-bye.